you speak. Oh Lord, the miracle is that you speak. We pray that you give us ears to hear. We pray to give, that you give us eyes to see your work in the world. Bless us, we pray. And bless these human words with a divine word of grace. Amen. So we have a father, and we have two sons, one older, one younger. I'm going to concentrate on the younger son this time, but because it's kind of, I could, there were about eight sermons that I could, I could have pulled out of this text. But obviously, dad's got a lot of money, because when his younger son asks for his share of inheritance, he's able to just give it then and there. It's not all tied up in real estate or stocks. It's kind of insulting, really, if you think about it. He's not even dead in the ground, and his younger son wants his God. Give me my inheritance, Dad. Drop dead and give me my inheritance, please. And Dad just gives it away against better judgment. No questions asked. And what happens next is totally predictable. The son takes his money, he heads out of town. I like to imagine, you know, he gets a cheap flight on Expedia to Vegas. He heads out of town. He touches down, and in a matter of sentences, the money's all gone. It doesn't say this quite yet in the text, but you heard it when we read it. But later on in the story, we find out the son blew every last cent on prostitutes feeding his primal appetites. This is like the Bible uncensored here. So the money's all gone. Things get worse. A famine hits. Deep recession, you know. Jobs are few and far between, so he ends up in livestock, serving swine, feeding pigs. And for a young Jewish man, he might as well have gone into prostitution himself because this is just bad, if not worse. These are unclean animals. He's got nothing less to lose. His father gave him this incredible inheritance. No questions asked. He got everything he could have possibly wanted. But then as fast as he got it, he blew every last cent. Now my guess is that few of us have demanded our inheritance and went off to the city to blow it on illicit entertainment. Some might have. I mean, I don't know all of your histories. But like the son in this parable there, have no doubt been times where each of us have wasted the good things we've been given. And for us, it's usually not money. In fact, it's rarely money, because losing money is actually easier to bounce back from than a lot of things, other more precious things. Our inheritance is usually kind of an intangible thing. There's wasted potential and opportunity, wasted by chance or by choice. I remember my grandma always used to talk about how my dad could have gone to university. He was smart enough, but he chose motorcycles and beer over school. 
For him, life could have gone one way, but it went another. And I know that my dad always has had this sense of regret. What would my life have been? Then there are squandered relationships. We've got spouses or kids, everything we've always wanted, but either we're too selfish or stubborn, immature, or caught up in our own crap to realize just how good things are until they slip from our fingers. We take things, we take people for granted. Parents, spouses, children, and friends. And one morning, we might wake up and all we've got left is regret. And it's not just an individual thing either. It's a human thing. United Church Minister Bruce Sanguin once described us human beings as the prodigal species, pointing towards our modern plundering of the Earth's resources and its ecological destruction. In the past hundred years, he writes, we've grabbed the 13.7 billion years of sacred inheritance, and like the prodigal son, we're in the process of squandering it. So it's not just an individual thing, it's a human thing, a universal thing. We're the prodigal species, as well as prodigal sons and daughters. Like the younger son, we too waste the good gifts we're given, precious ones, large ones, and small ones, until we squander it all and can't get it back. If you've ever worked in a grocery store or anything like this, you'll hear soft rock radio and you'll know these words. As Joni Mitchell says in that classic anthem, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Or the counting crows, depending on what era of light rock radio you're listening to. So we're prodigal people, always leaning towards blowing the things and the people who matter the most. We waste what we're given. And yet, losing what we once have doesn't have to spell the end for us. We can't get the things that we've lost back, usually. It doesn't have to spell the end for us. It can, but it doesn't have to be that way. The prodigal son wasted it all. And at one point, something shifts. There's this moment of clarity, it says. He came to himself, it says. He came to himself. He snaps out of it. He pines over his poverty, his growling stomach, conjures up memories of his father's home and a table always set with plenty of bread. So he resolves to just crawl back on his home with his hands and knees, giving up on ever being received back as a son. He blew it, after all. He's willing to work as a hired hand. If only it means he just gets to go home and be alive. So he takes that long journey home, likely filled with fear, anxiety, and shame. But when he turns the corner to that long driveway, he sees his dad waiting on the porch. And dad runs out in his slippers, 
He doesn't waste a moment. He grabs him by the neck, big hug, gives him a kiss on the cheek, saying, welcome home. Dad and his servants fetch a fine robe, toss it over his son's shoulders. They put a ring on his fingers, which is a symbol of his belonging, the royal house. And then dad sends the servants to prepare the finest veal. Have you noticed that? Last week there was veal in it too. Veal's like the best thing in the Bible that you can prepare for anybody. I mean, meat is big. Like, if you prepare any kind of meat, that's big. But veal? Man. Because, he says, because this son of mine was once dead and now alive. He was lost and now he's found. Tap the keg. It's time to party. Now, the son blew it. It's all true. When he returned to his father, though, he found arms wide open. He thought it was the end. At best, just getting by was what he was going to settle for. He took what he was given. He wasted. It's true. But he found that his father still had more to give. You know, the son's not the only prodigal. Like I said to the kids, prodigal really means extravagant, wasteful, his father is prodigal too, in a different way. Because no matter how much his son screwed up, no matter how much he wasted, the father always had more to give, has more to give. He blew it all, but his father always has more to give. And of course, the obvious interpretation of this parable is that we are prodigal sons and daughters in one way or another. And God is our prodigal parent. Our lives are a gift. Everything we have, everything we are, our talents, our resources, our relationships, our love, our blessed earth, our lives are a gift. They're nothing that we created. Nothing we could create, but an inheritance freely and in love given by our Creator. Like the sun, we waste these beautiful, precious things we've given, and like the sun, we don't know what we've got till it's gone, until it's too late. But when we come to ourselves and return to God, we find that it's never too late because God always has more to give. It's never too late. No matter how badly we've failed or what we've wasted, no matter how others have failed us or wasted either, God always has more to waste on us. The message of the cross, in fact, is that same message. In Christ, God has given up herself. Wasted everything for us and our sake so we can come to ourselves, so we can reclaim our birthright. We can become people that God created us to be, this blessed inheritance of being human. So we as God's creatures can return home to a robe and ring of resurrection that can never be severed or broken. It's never too late because God always has more to give. 
Now, a couple months ago, I saw a fantastic movie on Netflix. You know, it was dark, but it was deep. I told Cheyenne all about it. She's like, I do not want to listen to that, or I do not want to watch that. <laughs> dark, but deep. It's a movie called Calvary, and it's named after the place where Jesus was crucified. But it takes place in present day, and it's about a middle-aged Catholic priest named Father James in this little Irish town. It's a beautiful movie, and I recommend that you see it if you want to learn something about the beauty of Christianity in the face of the world's ugliness. I mean, if you have Netflix, go on Netflix. If you're still, I think that there's still a, a video store in Comox. Maybe they have it there. But there's a scene where this priest's daughter, his wife died before he became a priest, so he has a daughter, is reminding him of when she was a teen. Life for her wasn't worth living at the time. She thought about suicide and she attempted suicide. And in the Roman Catholic Church, suicide is considered a mortal sin an action that can cause you to lose your eternal salvation and end up in hell for eternity. But at the exact right moment, she was saved from herself. She didn't go through with it in the end. And basically she asks, if she really went through with it, would that have been the end? Hell, no going back. No fresh start. But with his arms wide open, this prodigal father, Father James, he reaches out and he holds her tight. And he plants this gentle kiss on the top of her head and he says simply, God is great. God is great, he says. God is great and the limits of his mercy have not been set. God is great, and the limits of his mercy has not, have not been set. Even in the case of suicide, the gift of life taken and wasted for which there is no return, only death. At the heart of the universe is a God whose love and mercy has not been set. A God who always has more to give to you and to me even when we've thrown away life itself. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Even when we waste the good we're given, even when we hit rock bottom and can't see a way to go on, my son was lost, he said, but now he's found. He was dead and now alive. It doesn't mean we'll get back to what we've lost, who we've lost, or the life we've squandered exactly. But it does mean with God, there's always the possibility of a new start. New opportunities, new gifts, new possibilities, new horizons, new relationships, and the healing of old ones. So for those of you who are looking for a new start, know that the arms of Christ are open for you wide in this place. May you find yourself loved, and may you be draped in a robe of resurrection. And for those of us who have found our way home, or think we've found our way home, our job is to be 
those open arms. We're a community working on it, obviously not perfect, stumble and fall like everybody else, but Christ has pulled us to himself to be his body. Not to judge like the older brother. I said I wouldn't get into the older brother, but not to judge like the older brother or say, I told you so, or they don't deserve it, but to receive fellow prodigals the way we've been received ourselves. To give the gift we ourselves have been given. Because our prodigal God, like the prodigal father, always has more life, more love, more goodness to give us. We waste and waste and waste and waste, but God always has more to give. Because the limits of God's grace have not been set. God's treasury has not been exhausted. We were created for more, and God's always got more to give. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen.